It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me on the show is Philip Calvert. He's a social media sales expert and social media sales strategist. He's based in the UK, where there seems to be actually a fair number of, of quite quite strong experts in social selling. Uh, Philip, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you very much, Andy. It's uh, great to be here today. Thank you. So take a minute and fill in that sketchy introduction. Maybe tell us how you got your start in sales and, and how you ended up in you know, being this expert in social media selling. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I got started, uh, really my background has been in financial services. I got started in financial services something like 30, 35 years ago, and I used to work on the sales side and the key account side for a large uh, life insurance company. Uh, they also did pensions, investments, those those sort of things. Um, I, I always loved the whole marketing thing as well. It was very much my, my scene, always took a great deal of interest in that. And after quite a few years, uh, it was about 15, 18 years ago, I was uh, uh, given the check and uh, so I told that my services were no longer required uh, and off I went. Um, and I'd been sort of thinking about uh, starting my own business for a while. And almost the day after um, I left employment, I went to a networking event uh, here in the UK, and um, I, the speaker, I'd never heard of the speaker before, but to cut a very long story short, uh, it was somebody from a website called Academy. So that's Academy, but mm -hmm. with an E on right. the front, e right. academy.com, which um, it transpired was probably the first business-to-business -business social networking site. It, it focused very much on uh, small business owners, although it also had some very, very successful international entrepreneurs on the site as well and this concept of being able to net with network with people online uh, really got my attention I'm not quite sure why it did maybe there was an inherent laziness that I didn't have to leave the house to uh, actually go and meet people but uh, there was certainly something that I thought well this is this is really interesting I, I could potentially meet virtually um, dozens of people every single day uh, and I signed up for this site and you created a profile page in in fact, Academy was around quite a few years before LinkedIn appeared. Right. Uh, back in 1998, wow. Academy it was doing what LinkedIn does now. Um, you know, it looked a bit clunky. That's what the way the internet was back then. Uh, but it, it did the job and very effective it was too. But what was really interesting was when you actually went along to a real networking meeting that Academy used to host quite regularly, the amazing thing was that you could walk into a room full of people uh, that you'd never actually met in the real world before, but you felt that you already knew them. You saw their photo. You knew quite a lot about them. Um, and this, to me, just really grabbed my attention uh, very, very quickly. Uh, and I kind of absorbed myself into it. And literally the next day, so I was kicked out of my job on one day. I went to this uh, meeting the next day. And the day after that, I decided, well, I'm going to set up my own online community within financial services. Mm -hmm. uh, that was an industry I knew quite a lot about. In particular, I, I knew an awful lot of financial advisors, financial planners. So I created, uh, just like LinkedIn has groups, you could do that on Academy. I created a group for financial advisors. 
And this grew really quite quickly, and we promoted it under the concept that financial advisors could uh, network, exchange best practice, share ideas, ask questions, give answers, and so on and so forth. Um, and it really went very well. And two or three years later, we realized that uh, we were going to have to actually build a website for this rather than run it as a group sitting on uh, the Academy site. And back in 2008, we set up our site at uh, www.ifa.com life.com and uh, it's still going strong today so this is and a community of financial advisors uh, that's right just in the and uk or is it worldwide it's predominantly in the uk but we have financial advisors from all over the world uh, join the site uh, and really what's fantastic i mean this is one of the great things about the internet and social media is the ability to share ideas and best practice across international borders um, wherever you happen to be based in the world you have something to add to a conversation that's that's taking place you know and you see that on linkedin every day so that's how I, I really got started in it. And I guess if you're the founder of a social networking site, you get asked to speak uh, about social media. And that's basically what I do. And I've managed to expand that uh, from not just social media within financial services, but social media within other highly regulated industries like law, accountancy, uh, pharmaceutical, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So let's get into the pharmaceutical because that's, yeah, that's a big uh, you know, business to business sales yeah. arena. I mean, the U.S. There's you know still one of the I don't want to say one of the last vestiges, but it's still you know the trend toward inside sales. This is still you know notable, at least the pharmaceutical industry for the number of reps that are out in the field, you know, calling yeah. on doctors and so on. So yeah, that's that's a really an expensive sales model. So how are how are for your pharma companies? You know, how are they changing their model and using social media to and social selling to uh, sort of reduce the reliance on you know going out and making calls on you know twenty, thirty, forty doctors a day? That's a, that's a really good question. You know, pharmaceutical uh, the pharmaceutical industry, like any other regulated industry, is one of those industries that knows it needs to be looking much more closely at social media. But my goodness, is it nervous uh, for all <laughs> all the reasons that that we can think of. You know, the magic compliance word comes up time sure. and time again. And you know, all regulated industries they know they need to be getting involved with this, but they are extremely nervous about uh, doing anything that goes out of out of uh, out of line against the rules um, so th it's still very much a learning process what's interesting is you know you look at LinkedIn been around since around 2003 ish um, not everybody's on LinkedIn. There's, you know, they still have many new members joining every single day. Um, and you would think that if this technology goes back all those years, you'd think that most of us in the world of business would kind of have got it by now. But my experience of, of most industries is they still look at social media as something a bit new, something that the kids are using, um, something they're a bit nervous about. But at the same time, they think there really is huge potential here if we get it right. And it's the if we get it right bit that I'm most fascinated by. You know, I look at LinkedIn you know, if I take financial services as, as an industry for sake of example, in the UK, when I ask audiences, uh, in fact, any industry for that matter, hands up if you have a profile on LinkedIn, almost everybody puts their hands up. 
almost everyone. Except, in except what does in, that profile look like, though? Well, that's that's the interesting thing. So right. I then I then I then said to them, well, now put your hands up if you know why you're on LinkedIn, uh, and hardly any hands go up at all. Um, and and there's there's the thing. And I guess it's like any other bit of software that that you use in your business, whether it's your CRM system or or, or whatever it is that you you use, or specialist software that you that you use in your business, unless you been trained on it unless you really know how to use it properly you'll never really fully get the best out of it and i think the same goes for linkedin and i think the same goes for other social media sites as well is that we're all on LinkedIn, but a huge percentage of us have absolutely no idea why we're on LinkedIn. Uh, we cut and pasted our CV up there. Our colleagues, well, maybe we were looking for a job at one point, and we, we, we put our CV up there. We sat back, smiled, and waited for the uh, the headhunters to call. And, of course, they never did. Right. But uh, And I think it's still the case that most people look at LinkedIn as a, as a really fancy job site, um, when, in fact, today it is very much um, a real-time networking and sales platform. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at it from the standpoint of, of a personal brand, that's, that is the website for your personal brand. I, I, it certainly is. And this is another issue that, that I, th I think a lot of industries uh, struggle with. And in fact, the bigger your company is, the more awkward you find social media. And, and certainly companies that have got some history to them, that have been around for quite a few years, you know, you want people to buy into your brand, your brand values, your reputation, uh, what you stand for, and your history. Um, yet, I remember my dad telling me, me when I left school, uh, this wonderful, good old-fashioned concept that people buy people. And one thing that social media people really talk about an awful lot is you need to get your people involved. And, and really big companies struggle with this. And it, it kind of goes through their mind. They said, yeah, we, we, know, we know this, but we'd rather only restrict our sales people or maybe our comms people or maybe our customer service people to using social media. But even then, they kind of think, you know, who do we dare let loose with the keys to the Twitter department? Who do we dare <laughs> let loose? Who, who can we trust? enough to represent us as, as an organization. And, and so that's something that, that they really struggle with. Well, so, um, so how do you resolve that, though? Because that is, that is sort of the key issue, is, right? is, is this push-pull, as you're talking about, especially bigger companies that are more brand-conscious. Yeah, if we turn everybody yeah. loose on social media, are we diluting our message? We're having multiple messages out there. But the fact is in sales that, yeah, if you're a salesperson, you call on a potential, potential customer yeah, the first thing they're going to do besides, you know, maybe first they'll look at your company and secondly, they're going to look at you at LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I think um, in this day and age, I think we, we all know this, everybody in everybody in every organization is potentially a salesperson. Yes, there's a uh, there's a group of people who who go out there uh, and do the do the face to face stuff or the telesales stuff. But everybody, you know, and increasingly people like customer service people, you know, we've all been to conferences where the, the customer service expert on the stage has, has said today's most unhappy customer is potentially the best advocate for your business um, and and social media is increasingly being used in the in the customer service mm -hmm. environment not very well uh, in a lot of cases but really we're starting to see more and more people within organizations across all different areas of a business starting to get involved but I think the answer is is twofold first of all your social media 
philosophy as a business has to be extremely clear to every every single employee uh, and it's got to be written in into the the social media policy that you have and it has to say really quite clearly that as an organization we believe in social it is a part of our business uh, it is a part of how we get our message out there and we encourage all um, employees in the organization to get involved and then of course you have various rules um, some of which I've seen I've seen social media policies that say things as simple as we encourage everybody to get involved but don't do anything stupid that's fairly clear right yeah and that kind of sums it up so how do we make sure they don't do something stupid or how do we try and minimize that um, training <laughs> it's really as simple as that well, and, Tra- and some of the training really has to start with something as simple especially if you're a large organization you're getting involved is you know start with the profile right make sure people have pictures make sure they have something of of human interest on their profile besides just their cv and that they are sharing something that reflects their knowledge and their passion about the business they're in absolutely some sort of continuity um i know we're all individuals but if we have a linkedin profile and it says that we are employed by abc inc uh, or whatever organization it is there needs to be some kind of continuity across the piece but it as you say it does come back to this concept that people buy people and as human beings you know when we go to a, a an event a conference a networking meeting or something like that invariably we are drawn to other human beings where we perceive that we have something in common. Um, and more often than not, you know, as, as a conversation takes place at a networking event, it doesn't take very long to realize, actually, I have nothing in common with this person, or more likely, there is something I have in common. Maybe you both come from a certain area. Um, you know, maybe you both have a mutual interest. Maybe you you, you like uh, football or, or skiing or, or traveling. Um, something that you have in common starts to emerge. And that's where real dialogue and real relationships start start to happen. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is you can do this on LinkedIn. To me, to me, one of the most valuable parts of a LinkedIn profile is one of the sections that, that an awful lot of people don't bother to complete. And that's in the additional information section where you can list out your interests so, you know, if you are into skiing and travel or red wine or, or, or whatever it is, uh, you list these things out. And if you list them out in a particular way, uh, those words then become clickable and searchable. So you can actually find other people on the site who uh, have got the same interests as you. So when you say list them a certain way, what are, what's the way you're supposed to list them? Okay, so what most people do when they when they do their this particular section on LinkedIn is they say, um, I love walking holidays in Europe. Um, I drink uh, my favorite red wine, and um, we have two dogs and a pony. Mm-hmm. Full stop. The correct way to do that is actually to put um, Europe, comma red wine, comma, music, comma. In other words, put Keywords. a comma. Yeah, literally list out those words, but literally put a comma after each one. And when you do that, um, it makes each of the words clickable and searchable. And I've used this technique many, many times. In fact, I, I do it with, uh, in fact, I did it with a financial advisor uh, on Skype only yesterday. So he's in um, uh, the city of Lincoln in the UK. 
Lincoln, and, Nebraska, okay. Okay, and he's looking for accountants that he wants to build relationships with uh, so that perhaps he can pass business to them and they can pass business to him. Now, in the past, he would just go onto a website and he'd start searching around. Um, and I said to him, well, let, you know, let's do this right now. And I typed in accountant and I then put the filter of Lincoln and it produced 503 names. And I said, you know, well, there's a list for you to start with, but let's see which ones you've got something in common with. Now, uh, I had a look at his personal interests section, and he's got things like Formula One racing. Uh, he's got jazz, things like that. And uh -huh. I said, well, let's just pick on one of these words. And I clicked on jazz, I think it was. Uh, and then so LinkedIn then shows me everybody else on LinkedIn who's got jazz in their profile. But then I start. The, I use the filters, and I, I then put by location, Lincoln, and I also put by industry, which I think was financial services or accounting, whatever. And it narrowed that list uh, of 503 down to four people. Now, that, those are four people that will have a conversation with him because if he can see quite clearly we've got something in common, there's a great way, there's a great opportunity for them to connect. Well, so that's, that's a great tip. I mean, for people who are, you know, if you're a sales rep and a sales professional and you're thinking about, okay, how do I connect with people? Yeah, instead of doing it just by, by industry and so on, is sort of tip it on its head, as you said, start with the personal interests that you have in common and then filter down to the industry that you're, you're serving. Yeah, Andy. I mean, you're a speaker. Um, I've I've done this with. Uh, I do uh, kickboxing, for example. It's one of my interests. Uh, and I thought, let's see if I can find um, a speaker booker or someone in a speaker bureau, or a conference organizer um, that I've got something in common with. And I clicked on the word uh, kickboxing in my profile. LinkedIn finds everybody else on the site who's got kickboxing in their profile, and then I literally narrow it down and filter it down by in street and location and there you go i can find myself three or four people that i can quite comfortably approach knowing we've got something in common and we can have a bit of a chat about uh, about kickboxing very interesting that's a great a great tip um another interesting thing you you talked about in an article um which i thought was a great way for connecting with people is and it sort of tied this a little bit is what you called the loose connection Oh yes, yes. That that I thought was was really a very thoughtful and indirect way to identify people to talk with. So, if you could run people through that, I think it's a great a great tip. Well, I, you know, I've always uh, it, in many ways it's it's a bit like what we've just what we've just been talking about this concept that that people buy people, um, and you know, I talked to networking experts and um, ab about you know should we connect with everybody who wants to connect with us. Uh, on any social site or should we just connect with uh, people in our niche and there seem to be two schools of thought on this and people have different opinions on it one school of thought is yeah just focus on the niche and the other school of thought is connect with absolutely everybody um, and my personal view is I try to connect with everybody I possibly can with the exception of the very obvious spammers mm-hmm um, and I do this because it dramatically increases the likelihood that there will be a connection there somewhere. And I think it's really important for people to remember that, that networking is, is, is not an activity where you are looking for opportunities to do business yourself. I know that's, that sounds really quite odd, but let's just put this into context. 
we've all been to networking events where uh, maybe there's drinks or something or canapes before a particular event, but there's always a couple of people who sneak into the room first and they put their business cards on all the chairs. Yeah, we've, right, we've, right. we've seen that. Yeah. Now, those are the sort of networkers who've got a frame of mind that says, you know, I'm, I'm giving up this uh, couple of hours this evening or this lunchtime or this breakfast meeting and I'm, I'm going to really make the most of it and get everything I can out of it. When in fact the best networkers are the people who take exactly the opposite view. They they go to a networking event with the intention of, of thinking, right, who can I help today? Who from my network could I introduce to somebody that I'm that I'm gonna meet? And it's these it's the loose connections that I'm particularly interested in. It's you know, the chances are, Andy, you and I may never do business together. But you've probably got a connection to somebody that um, I might find useful or, or you know, there could be potential for some sort of relationship there. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I call a loose connection. It's not me to you. It's me to somebody you might know uh, who, I could, who you could introduce me to or somebody that I could help out in some way, shape or form. So it's, 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 and LinkedIn helped us brilliantly with this. You know, it's the second and third degree connections, which, which I think are really important. So, yeah, but you had had a, I don't remember, you had a specific process you sort of advocated for people used to identify those loose connections that would be useful. Um, do you know, I, I, I can't remember to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, it's an interesting, I certainly remember writing the article, but... Um, <laughs> See, that's trouble. I think we do research in your past. We find out yeah, what's going on. That's fantastic. Was that on my website? It sounds like one from, from a while ago. It was. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes page for the... Uh, for the uh, the episode, but yeah, we'll um, uh, we'll bless it. We'll provide a link to that. But it, it sort of followed on what you talked about. But um, so let's move on to sort of the next topic. Then is you know one of the things about social media that people have that, that they talk about is it's you know really good for is just making those initial connections. But you know how does it? How are you finding it's valuable for the people you work with that when they get into the middle of the funnel, right? And we presume it's always good at at making connections to put uh, people into the top of the funnel, your sales funnel. But do you have any strategies for using social media in the middle of the funnel? Uh, what, what, can you give me an example? What, what sort of scenario are you thinking of? Well, once you get past that initial connection, you're actually selling them, right? So well, so often people look at socials. Well, that's a great way to engage with people. But then once I sell them, you know, social yeah. sort of falls off the map. So do you have any any advice you give to people sort of like that you middle that, of the that, funnel? That's that's really interesting. Many many people get very wrapped up in the technology of social media, um, and I see businesses saying they look at their competitors and they go, "Well, uh, our competitor down the road, they're using they've got a YouTube channel. Maybe we should give that a go." Uh, and they see somebody else down the road, they're using a company page on LinkedIn. Maybe we should give that a go. And some and they said they see another competitor down the road, and they're using Google Plus, and they think, "Well, maybe we should give that a go." Um, and, you know, give that a go is not really a strategy at all. Um, it it kind of says we've not given any thought to how we're going to use social media in the, in the sales process. Um, there doesn't appear to be any plan. It seems to be something, let's, let's go for the latest shiny new uh, social tool that's, that's out there. And, you know, there is something new almost every single day. So at the very outset, there has to be a very, very clear plan for why you're using social media and how does it fit in with your with your main business plan but 
to me, social media has absolutely nothing to do with the tool. It's a bit of tech, yes, that can help flag up people that you might want to talk to. Um, and it could be a, a tool and a bit of tech that uh, a potential customer might spot you online in some way, shape or form. But for me, social media is really a tool to create conversations. You know, we look at Facebook and if you look at your news feed, you will see adverts. And some of those adverts have got the magic button shop now on them. So you see an advertisement, it's in your news feed, and it may well be that you think, yep, I need one of those. And you know what Facebook's like, the advertisements you tend to see are, are pretty well tailored to you and your needs and your browsing habits and, and your interests. So there's a fair chance that if the advertisement has been uh, tailored correctly, that um, you know you might buy immediately. But for most businesses, uh, really, to me, social media is a tool to generate dialogue, to get conversations going. Um, so, you know, going back to the, that, that example of, of using kickboxing to, um, to find a, a speaker booker or, or something like that, you know, I could find two or three profiles on LinkedIn and I've got, I've got a couple of choices. Well, what choice one is I could look at their profile and think, no, this is not somebody I, I need to be talking to. Or I could send a connection request um, and trust me, there's a right way and a wrong way to do connection requests, or I could do something remarkably old-fashioned and pick up the telephone. Um, either way, it oils the wheels of any relationship if we can get a little bit of dialogue going. So I see social media really is in the sales process is very much something to just start a conversation, get a little bit of dialogue going, which hopefully will start to build a bit of a relationship. And that then could maybe lead to uh, a coffee somewhere uh, and an initial get to know meeting and off we go from there. So I don't think that social media is the be all and end all of the sales process. It, it forms part of the sales process. Sure. So what was your tip on the right and wrong way to connect? Well, um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know how many connection requests you receive on LinkedIn every day, but I get uh, about, I'd say, 10 every single day. And almost Every single one of them um, is the standard, standard connection request. Right. Almost every single one of them. Right. Now, this, <laughs> this sounds a really, really basic thing, but most people, in my experience on LinkedIn, never bother to, at the very least, customize the connection request. Just at the very, the most basic thing, customize the connection request, and. Always, always connect with somebody from their profile page. Never connect with them from the suggestions that LinkedIn give you because you can customize it when you click the connect button from their um, from their actual profile page. And what I always do is I before I connect with anybody, I always have a look down, the, down their profile. I'm looking for something that we've got in common, be it uh, kickboxing, be it travel, be it red wine, be it music. I'm just looking for something. It could be their location. It could be somewhere that they've worked before. And I always, always put that into the connection request. Oh, I was browsing, you came up in a search result, or I saw a post that you commented on LinkedIn, I had a look at your profile, oh, and I noticed 
that you like uh, music or so on and so forth. Just that one tiny little thing is enough to spark uh, a human connection at a very, very human level. It is also common courtesy uh, to do that. And, you know, I've had people tell me, I've had clients of mine tell me that the very first time they customized a connection request, they ended up with a with a new client. And, and this goes, if I may, on the back of another little tip, which again sounds so obvious, but hardly anybody on LinkedIn does it. And that's when somebody looks at your profile page, you know, the overwhelming majority of people, when somebody looks at their profile on LinkedIn, they ignore it. Yet, a really cool thing to do and a real courteous thing to do would be to say thank you. Uh, a lot of people say to me, well, that, that's a bit bit old school, saying thank you to people. Uh, isn't social media about shortcuts and tricks and cutting corners? Well, in actual fact, social media is about relationship building. And if you imagine you had a store uh, on, on a street somewhere and you saw a customer walk into your store um, and you suddenly <laughs> you know, ran around the back or hid down behind the counter – how do you account that the, the, the customer would feel there? Um, you would actually, and you know, you'd you'd welcome them warmly and uh, and offer them some help, that that sort of thing. And you have to remember that when somebody looks at your LinkedIn profile, they don't ever do it by accident. They always do it on purpose. Uh, and if someone's looked at your profile page, they've done it for a reason. Now, we don't yet know that reason. Uh, when we look at their profile, we may be able to get a sense uh, for why they might have looked at our profile. and We can get all sorts of information about them, depending on what level of membership we've got on LinkedIn. But uh, what I do um, is I have a look at their profile, and then I go back to them and say, thanks, John or Susan or whatever their name was for taking a look at my profile today. Uh, I hope you found something useful. Now, is this this with people you're already connected with? Or? No, this, these are people who've just looked at my profile. That's, okay. that's all I do. So they look at me. I then go and have a look at them, and I send them a nice polite note saying, thanks for looking at my profile. I hope, uh, hope you found something useful. And then I will quite often add, please do let me know if I can connect you to anyone in my network. So is now are you doing that in the form of an in-mail, or are you doing I'm that doing through it a, con- as a connection I'm doing request? It as a, Connection request, yeah. Yes. Now, link, LinkedIn like to give you the impression that you should only connect with people that you've got some sort of relationship with somewhere, be it in the real world or, or whatever. And when you click the connect button, uh, you know, you're given a, very, a variety of choices as to how you might have uh, come across this person in the past. Um, uh, but what I do is I, always, I, I choose one of the, uh, the roles that, I've, that I either have or have had in the past, something that I think might be appropriate mm-hmm. for this particular person, and I send them a connection request. But in that connection request, I say, thank you for looking at my profile today, Susan. Uh, I hope you found something of use. Uh, and then I say, please do let me know if I can connect you to anyone in my network. So what I'm not doing is going into sales mode. What I appear to be doing is being uh, saying thank you, I'm being courteous, but I'm offering them a networking opportunity. I'm not saying, oh, I'd love to do business with you. Please buy my thing. Please buy my stuff. Um, and when, also, one, one question for you about that then is, is if people get back to you and say, because clearly you've got thousands of people that you're connected with that you don't know most of them. Yep. So they say, well, geez, could you connect me with uh, John Smith? You don't happen to know John Smith personally. 
do you know, that's do, that's, one, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, you know, you you go through somebody who does actually know them. I th- I think you, when you do this, when you connect with people, you have to use a little bit of common sense and courtesy here, and just to think. What is the best way of, of of starting to build the relationship with this person? It may well be that the best way of starting to build a relationship with this person is to pick up the telephone um, or maybe send them an email. Perhaps, you know, it's pretty easy to find people's email addresses, even if they're not on their, on their profile somewhere. So you've got a variety of different ways to do it. And it's not always the best way. The best way is not always to do it through LinkedIn. Sometimes it's better to actually pick the phone up um, or or, or or do it another way, or maybe visit their website, and just find other ways, but to think carefully about this. But um, really, a, a very good way to do it is to send them a connection request. And, you know, they don't receive, when the person receiving your connection request doesn't receive a message saying, Philip Calvert wants to connect with you. He says you used to work together 10 years ago. They don't get that message. All they get is uh, a connection request mm-hmm. from you. But if that message is personalized, courteous, friendly, not uh, an obvious sales approach, um, you will then find that the number of people wanting to connect with you significantly increases. And again, I've had people tell me the very, very first person, very first time they said thank you to someone in the form of a connection request, uh, they've attracted new clients. Excellent. Uh, Philip, now we move into the last segment of my show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests and or that I subject all my guests to it, depending on your perspective. Okay. And uh, the first one's really a hypothetical scenario. You've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. CEOs anxious to get things turned around. It's going to be your job to sort of manage that. So what two steps would you take your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Okay. From my perspective with an interest in social media, I would be looking to make sure that our organization really knew its customers and its its existing customers and what those customers are doing online. Depending on the industry that that we're focused on, um, increasingly a sales journey starts online these days, which would suggest to me that um, many of our customers are probably online in some way, shape, or form. We've, we already know quite a lot about our customers. We've, we've done our due diligence. We've done our fact-finding, depending on what industry we're on. But one thing I find time and time again is we've never done an audit of what social networking sites uh, our customers are using. So that would be something I would start straight away with and uh, do a proper audit, go through our entire customer base, our best customers, our key accounts, but also the customers that have only done a little bit of business with us in the past and find out what they're doing online, what social networking sites they hang out on so that I can actually watch and listen to them online or at least our sales force can do this. You know, this is this is one of the great things about social media that used to be really, really difficult. Typically in, in a business, our communication model is such that uh, we as a business uh, proactively communicate outwards with our customers. And we do this one at a time. And we also do it one to many through maybe newsletters and, and so on and so forth. And also the other model is that our customers communicate with us. The bit that's missing is our customers talking to each other. Very often, 
somebody became a customer because they had a conversation with somebody who is already a customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that often happens in professional services, for example. Now, wouldn't it be great if we as the business was able to listen to the conversations that are taking place between the customers. And with social media, you can do that. We can go online. There's a whole variety of tools that you can use, even at the most basic level, uh, like something like Hootsuite um, or TweetDeck. You can follow your customers and you can watch what they're talking about online um, and use a variety of tools to you know, to observe that data and to follow trends to see how things are going. To me, this is really what social media is all about. You know, uh, many organizations have focus groups, for example, where they'll get some of their best com- uh, customers sure. into a room, into a room uh, get some food and drink down their necks, um, and you maybe give them a bit of a dog and pony show, um, and you ask for feedback. And it's all great. But today with social media, we can use it as a listening tool. So many businesses look, you know, they look at social media, they think sales and marketing, they think outward bound communication, when in fact, one of its most valuable properties, social media is as a listening and a research tool. So if I was the CEO, that's what I'd be doing. I would make absolutely sure that we are data on where our customers are on the social spectrum, um, that we absolutely nail that one down, and that we dedicate a team to listening to our customers online. And then the next step would be to start to build a strategy to engage with those people. To start, again, not going straight into sales mode, but to slowly but surely engaging them in conversations so that we can constantly keep the plate spinning with relationships. This is such a powerful thing with social media is that we can be just gently talking to them constantly. All right. All right. While so you're, not, while you're not talking to your customers, other people are. Exactly. That. Exactly. All right, so some rapid-fire questions for you. Give me one-word answers if you wish or elaborate. And and the first one is when you, Philip, are out selling your own services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Speaking. Uh, Whilst I'm the first person to say social media is uh, absolutely fantastic, I'm also the first person to say that um, enabling people to see the whites of your eyes uh, is pretty important, to be quite honest. All right, so who's your sales role model? Oh, my goodness me, there's a really good question. Um, Well, so the name that really popped into my head straight away there was Dennis Waitley um, and Tom Peters. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dennis Waitley talked a huge amount of of, of sense um, in terms of relationships. And Tom Peters uh, also talked sense, but there was a sort of uh, a presence to him that I really, really admired. Um, These days... um, you know, whilst those two people are extremely important, we have a lot of new kids on the block, don't we? Mm. Uh, I have to, I have to say, people like Elon Musk uh, sure. are incredibly uh, impactful uh, in many people's lives for their sheer ability to think on a scale the like of which most of us simply right. couldn't imagine. Okay, good answer. So, what's one book you'd recommend that every salesperson read? Um, Get More Referrals Now by Bill Cates. Yep, great. I think he's been on the show, been a guest. It's great. Has he now? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, last question for you What uh, what music's on your playlist these days? Uh, Joe Bonamassa. 
Okay. Uh, uh, Glenn Hughes uh, used to be with uh, Deep Purple. Right. Uh, and I have to say, I do like a bit of Metallica now and again. Uh-huh. There you go. I think they're coming out with something new, if I don't if I recall <laughs> properly. So Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. So, okay. Well, excellent. Well, Philip, thanks for being on the show. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you. Okay, so my website is philipcalvert.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at philipcalvert. And if you would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, just look to search for social media speaker. Ah, excellent. Okay. And that's Philip with one L. Just, uh, Philip with one L, yes. Remember. Well, again, thank you again for being on the show. It's and, a great pleasure. And remember, friends, thank you for listening today and make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Philip Calvert, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.